Welcome to another edition of the TDN Writers Room Podcast. My name is Bill Finley. I'm a correspondent for the TDN. I also co-host the Down the Stretch Radio Show with Dave Johnson on Sirius XM Radio. How y'all doing? I'm Randy Moss with NBC Sports. I am not at my uh, normal location with Lucy behind me. I'm in actually on my balcony at a hotel in the big island of Hawaii where I was here for a wedding this past weekend. So Things could be a lot worse, Bill and Zoe. <laughs> and it, yeah, it could. The weather looks a lot nicer there. That looks absolutely fabulous. It is positively pissing down here. We were actually supposed to do this earlier, and the Wi-Fi went out at Dan Ross's house. So Sue was like, I'll just nip home. I'm like, Sue, it's raining and it's LA traffic. There is no nipping home to do anything <laughs> about it. So I'm sorry if I missed Joanne's view with Brooke Smith a little bit earlier. Well, Zoe, we're glad to have you. And Randy, thank you for taking some time out from your fabulous stay in uh, Hawaii uh, to take part in the show. All right, guys, let's get right into it. Last weekend, a big weekend of Derby and Oaks preps highlighted by the Risen Star Stakes. I think the story here is that after uh, Fierceness didn't run well in the Holy Bowl, after the uh, Baffert debacle, we're all looking for who the heck is the horse to beat or who the heck is the favorite in the Kentucky Derby. I think after the Risen Star, we have that horse now. It's Sierra Leone. Will he win the Derby? I have no idea. But, you know, I think he belongs at number one on everybody's list. Uh, fabulously well-bred, the Coolmore team, et cetera, uh, sat behind a slow pace, came from back, and, uh, you know, didn't blow away Track Phantom by uh, 10 lengths, but he, he beat a horse, Track Phantom, who actually had a pretty soft trip, I thought, on the front end with slow fractions, got a 90 buyer. Yeah, you know, he's number one on my list, Randy. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. We'll see you know, if anything really steps up in some of the other prep races. It's not it's not the kind of performance that would, you know, sort of blow you away or anything like that. But, uh, you know, given the way Fierceness ran and the way some of the other uh, derby preps other than Nisos have popped up, I mean, this horse would, I think, will probably have to be uh, the so-called leader in the clubhouse right now. Uh, he's got the Bluegrass Stakes coming up next. According to the current plan, we'll hear from Brooke Smith, the co-owner, a little bit later. Uh, I, what I liked about him the most is what you just mentioned, Bill, the slow pace. 49 and something for a mile and an eighth on a sloppy racetrack. Uh, he finished in about 23 and two-fifths seconds for his final quarter mile, which is racehorse time to close. And, you know, I mean, he's going to be the kind of horse that is going to be vulnerable to traffic and things like that, given his running style. But, I mean, Zoe, I, there's not really much you can nitpick about that performance. Absolutely not. I mean, the blinkers worked a treat. They didn't get him any closer. He was still a, a long way back. And like you said, with bigger fields, he's going to have to overcome the traffic. Is he fast enough? I, I, I don't know. I mean, the 90 That's, and the 91 buyer speed figures don't really jump off the page. We're, you know, everyone's just going to be wanting to know about Nysus. He's not as quick as Nysus. His numbers aren't as flashy as Nysus. Does he look like he'll get a mile and a quarter? Absolutely. But every horse in the world can get a mile and a quarter. Is he fast enough to get a mile and a quarter? The good-looking horse, that is for sure. I still stand by the fact he's the best-looking yearling that I've ever seen. And I hope he goes on to prove it and do big things. Chad Brown has mapped out a plan that has worked. I actually read T.D. Thornton's piece in the TDN and he said about going to the bluegrass and the success that Chad Brown has had with two wins, three seconds and one third. But it just begs me to wonder, Chad was so, so sure this horse needed 11 weeks. Okay. So he had 11 weeks off and that worked. And then he's going to run in the bluegrass, which is what a month, five weeks to the to the Kentucky Derby. Now, the 50 points is probably going to garner him a position already, so the pressure's not on, but you don't want to run last in the bluegrass or have a really hard race if you're used to running 
with 11 weeks between your races. That is the only thing that jumps off the page. And then according to TD Thornton, um, horses with only two sophomore starts going into the first Saturday in May since 2017 are a combined O for 39. So TD went down the rabbit hole. You didn't have to, Randy, because you were in Hawaii, <laughs> well, you know, sipping pina coladas. But, yeah, all those all those rules are going to get blown up, though. Horses yeah. aren't campaigned the way, you know, every year it exactly. seems like they campaign a little more sparingly, a little more sparingly, much to Bill Finley's chagrin. Um, <laughs> I say you can't really nitpick Sierra Leone, but he's obviously going to have to run a lot faster than he ran yes. in the Risen Star if he's going to be a Kentucky Derby winner. Now, the the pace of the Risen Star doesn't really lend itself to a fast speed figure, whether it be Byers or Ragazins or Thurographs. He's not going to jump off the page in that respect. So he's going to have to step up his game there. Uh, but so far, I mean, he looks like the kind of horse that will improve with extra distance. We just don't know how much. We'll find out later. Randy, what you just mentioned, though, um, you know, the 90 buyer is is fine, but it's, it's not, as Zoe said, is an eye opening. But with no Nisos or any of the Baffert horses uh, being involved in the Kentucky Derby and, you know, the right. jury's still out on fierceness. Who's faster? You know, know. if he's I mean, yeah, that thing. I mean, right now, nobody. Right. I mean, track <laughs> phantom had everything his own way on the front end, had an off track, you know, controlled the pace, nice, slow pace, ran well. Uh, but you can't really be confident as the distances stretch out, given the way he ran against Sierra Leone, that he's going to be able to, you know, uh, to be as good. Locke is supposed to run in the Fountain of Youth. Doorknock is supposed to run in the Fountain of Youth uh, March the 5th. So we'll see if those horses step up. But right now, even though he's only got mediocre speed figures, uh, that's why he's the future you know, the future favorite for the last uh, the last round of future wagering for the Derby. So on the same card was the Rachel Alexandra for the three year old Phillies getting ready to uh, head down the road to the Kentucky Oaks. The winner was Tarifa, who scored a mild upset over Intricate. Um, she also got a 90 buyer. So she got the same figure as Sierra Leone. I thought she looked really good. And I think that she is going to be very strong going forward. Uh, just one other thing I'd like to add. You can't escape. It's just like you can't escape this. Tarifa goes into the gate at six to one, crosses the wire at five to two. Thank you, computer guys. Thank you, horse racing, for making uh, a winning bet a, uh, a a sour experience for anybody that bet on her. But, uh, well, you know, that's a problem we've been talking about forever, and I don't know if we're going to come up with any solutions. Brad Cox is, is such a good trainer to begin with, but he is really good. Really, really good with three-year-old fillies. Um, this was the second straight win in the Rachel Alexander. He's won three of the last four. And uh, he's got more in the tank, too. He's got a couple other really nice fillies uh, going down the road to the uh, Kentucky Oaks. So, uh, Tarifa, um, two, th two thumbs up for me. An embarrassment of riches for the Brad Cox barn. Uh, she looked good. Pratt rode her well. You've got a feel for Flo who took off her to ride um, – Alpine Princess, who really didn't run at all. She didn't really run her race. So you feel for that. We'll see if Pratt manages to to keep them out on Tarifa. But she she looked good. I don't know if she's the Oaks winner, but she certainly looked good. Yeah, I mean, sitting here on my balcony in Hawaii, if I had had a computer hookup and they were going to the gate and I saw she was six to one, I would have hammered her too. <laughs> right. um, I mean, she was she was coming off a race at the fairgrounds, an allowance race, I think it was, where she got an 86 buyer speed figure, three wide on both turns, okay? So you got to boost it a little bit, given the ground loss. And now she's got the number one post in the original Alexander. So she's going to save ground at least on one turn. As it turned out, she saved ground on both turns, so that's why a horse like that can go from an 86 buyer speed figure to a 90 and win convincingly. I mean, I figured it was going to take a big effort to beat her. I thought Intricate was possibly, probably good enough to do it. It turns out she wasn't. But, I mean, just like Sierra Leone right now would be the early favorite as we sit here taping this for the Derby until somebody else jumps up. I think you can say the same thing about Tarifa and the Kentucky Oaks. Randy, the um, you know we, we haven't seen a run yet this year, but just FYI is obviously a big part of the conversation. I've had her at number one 
on my Kentucky, Road to the Kentucky Oaks list for the TDN. Um, I'm going to put Tarifa ahead of her this week because, uh, you know, again, we're talking about figures. Uh, just FYI, as accomplished as she is, she didn't run fast. I mean, we're talking about, you know, the 90 buyer isn't a huge deal. Well, she I don't think she's broken out of the 70s. So, um, you know, that's why I think Tarifa, I agree with you, Tarifa deserves to be considered the, now the favorite for the Derby. I would have done exactly the same thing. Definitely. All right. Let's head to Sunland Park, where on Sunday they had the Sunland Derby. They moved this race, didn't they? Didn't it used to be later on in the year? End of I, March, I like March 26th. So they moved it, yeah. Right. So the winner is Stronghold uh, by two and a half lengths. A couple storylines here. Phil D'Amato. Don't think of him as ever having a horse on the road to the Kentucky Derby. A matter of fact, he has never uh, run in the Kentucky Derby uh, as accomplished trainer as he is because he's a grass guy. Um, this horse it was good enough to finish second behind Nysos in the Bob Hope, but was beaten eight and three quarter lengths. And Zoe, you say that the owners, Rich and Sharon Waller, are pretty cool people. Tell us about them. They are so much fun to be around. Uh, they've been breeding horses for 20, 30 years. This is the third generation through this family. Now, I was very familiar with Spectator, who was a very quick filly for trainer Phil D'Amato. And she actually died foaling Stronghold, which was a terrible shame. Stronghold, a big, massive, big-hipped Fold by Ghost Zapper. If you you should try and like search out a picture of him as a foal. He looked like a baby Clydesdale. He was so thick. I can see exactly why they named him Stronghold. But Rick and Sharon comes to track every weekend. She bakes cookies. She brings cookies. She's got a red lipstick on, all her rings. She's just absolutely fabulous. And they actually came to Santa Anita on Sunday. And oh, how do I put this? I, I asked them um, why did you not go to watch your homebred run at Sunland? Because it was early on. And I'm like, why aren't you at Sunland? They're like, we're well, going to watch him here. She said, because both of us last night couldn't get off the toilet and uh, <laughs> we weren't getting on a plane this morning. She didn't quite phrase it as that. It kind of ended in uh, SH1T. Those were her exact words. And I was just dying. I was sitting on the set. I said, okay, so that's why you didn't get on the plane. She's like, no, we feel much better today. Here's some cookies. And um, they watched it from the track. Absolutely delighted to see this horse win. Is he going to win the Derby? I don't know. He needs to run in a bit more of a straighter line than he's done in each of his two starts. But he was best of the rest in that. Zoe, that story you just told us goes under the category of too much information. Oh, hold on. And I got one more. <laughs> hold on. There's never too much information. <laughs> yeah. No such thing, Bill, for Zoe, right? No, there's oh, yeah, no TMI right. in her world, right? Right. So this is this is Kelly Leak, who I owned a piece of winning the Sunland Derby in 2009 when he beat who? Randy Moss. Mind that bird? Randy Moss needs to know this because he got it wrong. Mind that bird. Yeah. Ten points to Randy Moss. You would have got it anyways. And just like Kelly Leak, if the Kentucky Derby were run this weekend, Stronghold would be about 35 or 40 to 1, right? And so, we yeah. did not take Kelly Leak to the Kentucky Derby because we did not think he was that kind of horse. So that just goes I'll, to show you. I always love the name Kelly Leak because, of course, that's named after the character in the Bad News Bear. So whoever came up with that, uh, that nick, uh, name for that horse, uh, a, a good job. Yeah, he's into Hatchapi, retired, running around in the snow. So... Big thumbs up to Maggie Moss for sending him to me after he retired. The TDM Writers Room is brought to you by Keeneland. Keeneland ticket sales kick off today for the upcoming spring meet to be held April the 5th through the 26th. We have a variety of ticket options for dining, a grandstand, reserve seating, and general admission are all available. All tickets are required to be purchased in advance via Keeneland's official online ticket office at tickets.keeneland.com dot com slash racing this year keeneland will award a record listen to this guys 8.1 million dollars for 19 stakes headlined by the hundredth running of the one million dollar toyota bluegrass stakes a grade one event on saturday april the 6th most likely the next place we will see sierra leone other grade one races for the spring meet include the Central Bank Ashland, the Madison, the Maker's Mark, and the Jenny Wiley, each worth $600,000 each. 
We'll be right back after this message from Keeneland. At Keeneland, a horse will always be measured in hands. Hands that see, that sense, that speak. Hands that hold our sport to a higher standard. Not for our sake, but for theirs. For the love of the horse. For generations to come. This week's Fastest Horse of the Week is brought to you by Audible, one of the fast sires at Windstar Farm, who had another stakes winner this past weekend at Aqueduct in the Maddie May Stakes. That would be a filly by the name of My Main Squeeze, who was winning her third straight. Audible is... uh, now leads all second crop sires in 2024 by earnings, black type winners, graded stakes winners, winners, and wins. Of course, Audible was one of the more consistent three-year-olds of his generation, never off the board in five stakes races, including three stakes wins, Florida Derby, and the Holy Bull. A couple of those Audible stands at Winstar for $15,000. This week's fastest horse of the week It took place at Laurel on Saturday in the General George Stakes at Seven Furlongs. Four-year-old cult by the name of Post Time, who has already racked up a pretty remarkable record. He won the General George by three lengths, buyer speed figure of 103. Post Time is the son of Frosted, owned by the Hillwood Stable, trained by Brittany Russell, who has now won seven of his eight lifetime starts, all in one-turn races, and now back-to-back buyer speed figures of 104 in the Jennings at Laurel in January, and now the 103 in the General George that makes him this week's fastest horse of the week. So there's still about two and a half months left before the Kentucky Derby. So we're going to try to do the impossible, pick the Derby winner right now. I don't pick the Derby winner on the first Saturday in May. How am I going to pick the Derby winner on the third Tuesday in February? Um, but a couple of things. So you, know, you look at these Derby future wagers, and I can't say this enough. That is the worst bet <laughs> in the history of horse racing. How anybody can bet that thing is nuts. Sierra Leone's a perfectly good horse, I understand. He's six to one in the future wager. I think if the race were run tomorrow, he'd be six to one. And then he's got about a 50-50 chance that any of these horses get hurt. So uh, save your money, folks. I, I don't really get it. Okay. After saying all that, I am going to pick out one horse, though. Um, if you like Sierra Leone, how do you not like Doorknock, who beat him in the Remsen and also did it very gamely, uh, came back at the end uh, when it looked like uh, Sierra Leone had the race won. Uh, Danny Gargan has been, before this horse ever even ran, said it was the best horse he's ever trained. So um, I reserve the right to change my mind at least 25 times between now and Derby Day. But okay, on February 20th, if I called it right, we're going to let give me some credit after the Derby. Doorknock, my Derby winner right now. Do you think the Derby gods will allow that? Two half-brothers to win the Derby? That's right, yeah. Why that, well, that would be really cool if that would, were to happen, yeah. Of course, yes, he's a full brother to Mage. Yeah. Um, gosh, that, it's a hard one. I mean, right now, I'd have to go with Sierra Leone just because I, I can't really think of anyone else, to be perfectly honest, other than the ones that can't run in the Derby. So I'd have to go with him and be terribly boring at six to one. What about you, Randy? I'm not sure if he's good enough and he was well beaten in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, but I liked him kind of right off the bat last year at Saratoga. Todd Pletcher was called Locked. So I'll see if he's going to move up in the uh, Fountain of Youth. It's, he's going he's gonna to need to move up. Um, Timberlake was tempting. I'm not sure he wants to go a mile and a quarter. Uh, so out of all the ones we've seen so far, then there may be some others lying in the bushes right now, but, um, I'll, I'll throw locked out there and maybe he'll be 10 or 15 to one right now. All right. So how about the Kentucky Oaks? I think we talked about the most likely winner already on the show. Again, you know, all things being equal, uh, it's all relative trying to do this on February 20th, but I think to, I like, really like Tarifa's race. In, in the Rachel Alexandra. And, you know, again, I talked about how good Brad, Brad Cox is with these three-year-old fillies. Uh, just FYI is slow. Um, well, I haven't seen anybody else this year that really took my breath away. So maybe I can hit the daily double of Doorknock 
and Tarifa. How about that? Zoe? Um, I am going to go against everything I just said about Sierra Leone and him having slow buyer speed figures and stick with just FYI. And the reason I'm doing this, because as a three-year-old, I think she'll finally get the chance to grow into that big, beautiful frame of her. She's a big filly. She should never have won at first asking going five and a half or six furlongs, whatever it was at Saratoga that day. And I believe that the slow buyer speed figures are just purely for the fact that, that she wasn't ready for them. I think we are going to see a bigger, stronger version of just FYI, whose buyer speed figures are going to improve dramatically when we see her come to the fray. She's already had five or six works down there at Payson. She's been training really, really well. And I, does anyone know where she's going to run next? Uh, yeah, the Devona Dale. Okay. I can't wait to see her. I would love to be down there and see her in the flesh just to see how she looks because she's always had that huge frame and it's just sheer guts and determination and some class and some athleticism that got her to win when she won last year. So I'm, I'm sticking with her. I absolutely love her. All right. And I know I just said that Tarifa, you know, belongs as the early Kentucky Oaks favorite based on what she did at the fairgrounds. You know, I mean, she did everything the right way. She said inside. She probably took a little bit of kickback on a sloppy track day. She did get a good trip. Nice turn of foot turning for home. But look, if right now, if we would say that Kenza would be a pretty solid favorite for the Oaks, if she were allowed to run, trained by Bob Baffert, I thought Copion, uh, Richard Mandela's horse ran admirably chasing Kenza last time out at Santa Anita. So right now I'll take Copion as my uh, as my Kentucky Oaks horse, even though I thought Tarifa looked really good. Right. So some sad news this week. Uh, just uh, yesterday, it was announced that Echo Zulu had to be put down. Remember, she was injured while preparing for the uh, Breeders' Cup. Uh, she got cast in her stall and injured herself when she tried to get back on her feet. And uh, Randy, I'll let you take take this one away because I mean, I think more than so than uh, than anybody else, you really appreciated how good this filly was. Uh, she was a, a four-time Grade One winner, won stakes at two, three, and four. But I think a lot of the reasons why you put her in such high esteem was going back to the buyer figures. Um, I mean, oh. she was. A very, very fast horse. And I know you said that you voted for her over Goodnight Olive uh, in the um, female sprint division. But, uh, you know, Randy, I mean, uh, she had an abbreviated campaign this year. And uh, I don't know if they would have run her next year if she didn't get injured or not. So we didn't see, a, you know, well, I shouldn't say that. We got a nice two, three and four year old campaign out of her. Um, but, you know, and you, you know, put it all in perspective. How good was this, Philly? Very, very fast. Uh, in fact, Steve Asmussen has said that it might be, uh, just in terms of sheer speed, the fastest horse that he's ever trained. And he's had some some pretty darn fast horses over the years, right? And I, I just feel so sorry for the connections of this horse, the horse itself, obviously. But, I mean, when, when she got hurt uh, preparing for the Breeders' Cup, Asmussen was pretty emotional about it, not just because she's a fast racehorse, but because – her personality around the barn, apparently very kind, very sweet, just a fantastic horse to be around, an easy horse to like. And you try, you know, these, these trainers try not to get attached to the horses, but, you know, sometimes it's just impossible. And uh, you know, even after her injury, when he talked about her recovery, uh, he would start to get a little bit emotional talking about it. It's just the nature of her injury, right? I mean, no one ever felt comfortable. We talked about it. Right. So far, so good. But it's a long road. So many things can happen. These horses are so fragile. And it's just sad that she got as far as she got. And then, Zoe, something like this happens where she gets cast in her stall and then it all just goes up in smoke. It's really, really a sad thing. Absolutely gut wrenching. When I heard the news yesterday, I've got to be honest, I shed a tear. It was just gut wrenching because, you know, I'm based out here. I went and visited her when she was in her stall before she went to Chino, which did a marvelous job down there. Dr. Ryan Carpenter, the best in the game, did the surgery on her right here at Santa Anita. And they took her down there and she was just, just a wonderful patient. 
I mean, love him or hate him, Scott Blasey has lovers and haters everywhere, but he went down every single day after training while they had those Breeders' Cup horses here to go and see her, to give her carrots, to go and visit her. When Steve came out, he went down. They spent hours with her. She got the best care possible and just just gut-wrenching. And, you know, you made such a compelling case. I had not submitted my Eclipse Award votes before we did that podcast. I was going to wait till after just because I wanted to take one final look and be sure. I changed my vote and voted for Echo Zulu. There were 70 votes for her for Champion Sprinter and 142 for Goodnight Olive. And uh, I'm pleased to say I was one of the 70. She was just a true champion in every single sense of the word. The TD Riders Room also brought to you by the Pennsylvania Horse Breeders Association. Big news this week for the biggest PA bred stars of 2023. First of all, Angel of Empire was named the top mid-Atlantic bred of 2023. Congratulations to his breeders. Forgotten Land Investment Inc. and Black Diamond Equine and owner Alba Stables from Iowa. Then you've got Caravelle and Nimitz Class who made three out of the top four horses Pennsylvania bred. So speaking of Caravelle, the TDN's Katie Petruniak has reported that she has now been purchased by John Stewart's Resolute Farm. Remember when he was the Green Group guest of the week? And Caravelle will now be headed overseas for a date with none other than Frankel. We'll be right back after this message from the PHBA. The state of Pennsylvania has the best breeders program in the entire United States. When you buy a yearling, it's a little bit like buying a lottery ticket. And we are trying to provide a lottery ticket that the likelihood is to hit the jackpot. Angel of Empire wins the Arkansas Derby and wins it clear. Uncle Heavy late, it's a photo finish! Pennsylvania and the PHBA have the best state-bred program in the country, bar none. The winner, Uncle Heavy, he's a three-year-old, bred in Pennsylvania. Every sire hopes to have a son to follow in his footsteps. An impressive debut. For Munnings, that son is Jack Christopher. Jack Christopher to win the champagne. Unbeaten grade one winner at two. Dual grade one winner at three. And he is pouring it on here. It is Jack Christopher winning the grade one H. Allen Jerkins Memorial. Jack Christopher. It's time for the Coolmore Stallion of the Week, and this week that is Jack Christopher. Last week we had some of Cornisha's first foals to show you. Here are some of Jack Christopher's. First, a filly out of Court Dancer. The mayor is a stakes winner and earner of just under 500000 Here is a filly out of Honest Outlaw. First foal out of a gunrunner half-sister to two graded stakes winners. Then we have a colt out of Laurel Canyon, the first foal out of a stakes place mayor. And here is a filly out of My Fast One, whose two-year-old by Justify sold for 400000 last year. And finally, a filly out of Second Coming, who is now a half-sister to champion Are You Kidding Me? The foal was bred by G. Watts Humphrey, the breeder of many a grade one winner. Hey, Zoe, any thoughts on these foals? Well, honestly, Bill, I'm, I'm looking at them right now, and I have to tell you, that I am really liking what I'm seeing. Jack Christopher was kind of a, a bull of a racehorse. If you saw him on the racetrack, he was a very muscular, big, good-looking horse. And these fillies that I'm looking at right now got a little bit of length, got some scope, and got some leg, which is a thing that I am really looking for from the Jack Christopher babies. Looks like we've got a bunch of long-leggy fillies here, which gives me a big thumbs up for Jack, Jack Christopher babies. Jack Christopher, the multiple grade one winner, stands at Coolmore for $40,000. It is now halftime in our weekly podcast, and every week that means it's time to tell you that the TDN is also brought to you by The Green Group, a tax accounting and advisory firm specializing in the thoroughbred industry. And welcome in now the Green Group Guest of the Week. It is none other than Brooke Smith. Also goes by the name of Bourbon Brook. We'll talk about why he calls himself that. Very nice person who donates tons of money to charities uh, in horse racing. But he was in the news this weekend as or this past weekend as one of the co-owners of both Sierra Leone and Hall of Fame who went in the Risen Star Stakes. Brooke, welcome to the podcast. Uh, how did you get into involved with Coolmore? I, I can't imagine that they are uh, someone who are out looking for owners or, you know, how do you get into the fold with them? 
Uh, great question. So I've been in horse racing. I don't know. I guess time flies maybe the last uh, 15 or 20 years, more so the last five or 10. And I've uh, been in the insurance business, kind of an unusual facet of insurance called surety. Short story is um, I met some uh, some younger folks, but younger to me, mid-30s, who were working in the uh, event insurance space and the sports and entertainment space, a group called 1783, uh, based in London. And uh, one of my old business partners said, hey, these guys are doing some interesting things. You should meet them. And uh, we ended up uh, becoming their partners and funding them a little bit. And it just so happened that one of the kind of the three principles in that was a guy named Charlie Pearson, who is the son-in-law of John Magner. So um, after um, we spent some time together, we got to know each other. They're, they're great folks, uh, good friends, and started doing some business together and had a bit of success. One thing led to another, and I kind of was introduced to the Coolmore ecosystem, I guess is the best way to put it. First through Kentucky. I've been to Ireland, um, their, their, um, their breeding farming operation in Ireland, second to none. And, um, you know, just they're amazing people. They're wildly successful. Uh, and somewhere along the way, uh, they said, well, you know, would you be interested in maybe becoming one of our partners? And I said, um, wow, that's a heck of an opportunity. I know you guys, you know, play at the top and maybe it's an opportunity for someone like myself to, to you know take a bite of some of, of, a, of a horse a yearling perhaps that i wouldn't normally even think about and so uh i remember i was actually flying to europe and i was on a plane right at, right at, as this, this saratoga september sale was going on a uh, select sale in 22 and adrian wallace there was texting me saying okay we're gonna look at a couple of these yearlings and the first one i think that maybe came up was sierra leone and he's texting me, you know, this horse could, you know, be a million dollars or more. And then, you know, and then I'm getting texts like, you know, a million six, million eight, <laughs> you know, are you in? And I'm hitting, you know, yes, you know. Uh, and so um, that's kind of how it started. Uh, and then then at that same sale, of course, they also bought what uh, is today Hall of Fame. Uh, and to have two, two horses come out of one sale, um, you know, spending money on these nice horses obviously is because of their breeding and their confirmation and their athleticism and everything you would you know hope to see but to have two of them that were purchased in one sale like that uh and to have them in the middle of everything is quite amazing to be honest so there's there's a short version well brooke before we dive into uh, the nitty-gritty on the horses give us a little bit of your personal background how you got involved in the sport to begin with why how your interest in it first got peaked i know you run horses under rocket ship racing as well tell us about all that yeah um you know it's anything that has like such history to it these horses they don't run but a minute or two but but everything that happens around the track, the farms, the people, the history. Uh, you know, I'm just, uh, I marvel at stuff like that. Uh, when I was um, in my in my 30s, you know, 20 years ago plus, I had a friend whose father bought into a syndicate, uh, had a filly that was actually running in, um, I think it was the Humana Distaff at the time. Horse's name was Loris Pistolette, went off at like 30 to 1, and of course, you know, the storybook wins the race. There's, you know, you know, 50 people in the winner's circle high five. And I happened to have probably, you know, $20 to win in place and, you know, felt like I was on top of the world. And so I was like, hmm, that's, uh, that's different, pretty exciting. And I think I'd like to try to, you know, get around that again. Uh, so a, a good friend of mine um, that I graduated uh, from high school with in Oldham County outside of Louisville. Uh, Bill Denzik, he was trained a few horses. We got reconnected. I bought a few horses with him. Even before that, I actually bought a few horses with a guy named Danny Hutt, who was one of my dear, dear friends. Unfortunately, uh, had a heart attack and left us way too early. Uh, but then as you get in and around this type of thing, I mean, you guys know that's why you're on this podcast. This stuff gets in your blood. There's just mm -hmm. no other way to say it. Very interesting. Uh, Brooke, didn't you also, because I remember I've interviewed you a couple times. Um, what's your background in the bourbon industry? Yeah, I mean, again, it's kind of like, uh, 
I say this a lot, but, you know, save Ferris. I should have never watched that movie when I was in middle school, but uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. But you're in <laughs> Kentucky and you want to get in the middle of something that's interesting. That generally doesn't mean it's a great business, but fortunately, uh, bourbon's booming. Uh, and I, um, I had an opportunity to buy into Castle and Key Distillery there in Frankfurt. Uh, still own a, a small piece of that. Uh, and then was involved in a few other bourbon brands, a brand called Barrel Bourbon. It's uh, highly acclaimed and good folks there uh, buying some barrels and kind of acting as a middleman here and there. So in and around bourbon. Um, and, you know, the short version is, uh, you know, a nice bourbon neat ain't so bad. Uh, well, tell us a little bit now about uh, your experience on Saturday. How did you feel going into the Risen Star with Sierra Leone and Hall of Fame? And uh, what was that whole experience like? Well, I mean, it was uh, it was a long time between the Rimps and, and the Risen Star, as you can imagine. Uh, so there was a lot of conjecture and, you know, well, how good is, is, is Sierra Leone and this crazy move that uh, the horse made from the back of the field and um, and then Hall of Fame uh, coming right off a, a bomber maiden victory at the track. Uh, you know, it, it, it was surreal. Like, Caton uh, was asking me a question or two in the paddock and I just kind of got tongue tied because you really know what to say. I mean, what can you say when you have, you know, a couple of the top 10 derby contenders going in a, in a prep race? Um, uh, it was great because I was around all the folks that I know from Coolmore also had uh, some other friends and my two youngest sons were with me. So even though it was, the wind was blowing, the rain was blowing a bit sideways. It was, it was just surreal. Amazing. Um, yeah. And then to have Sierra Leone kind of, run the same type of race, you know, impressive considering all the, the slow fractions and coming through the, the mud and all that. Um, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, again, I usually have watched these types of moments on TV, but to be a part of one, um, you don't quite know what to think, to be honest. Um, but it's exciting. And I think Sierra Leone's a type of horse that, uh, could, could, uh, develop a following, uh, because of the running style and, and those types of things. So, Brooke, um, what you do with your earnings is very commendable. Um, for anything that you make on the racetrack, you donate a percentage to the Backside Learning Center purses, uh, for a purpose program at Churchill Downs. Tell us about that program, what it does, and, and why you decided to get on board as, as a benefactor. Well, I mean, anything that I ever do, because, um, again, I feel like I'm on extended play, to be honest, just have had some good fortune and had a lot of great, amazing people around me. Uh, uh, but uh, it has to have some kind of a mankind or, or, or social component to it. I mean, what's the point otherwise? So um, as I started learning more about the Backside Learning Center, and I say this a lot when people ask me about it, but the Backside Learning Center is the backbone of the industry. Those are the workers that get up early and, and you know, uh, it's, it's, tough, it's tough duty. But again, they have the, the business and the industry in their blood. And the budget that the backside learning center has or has had is kind of anemic considering, you know, all the money that flows through the industry. So uh, when I sat down with Sherry Stanley and a few of the folks there, I said, you know, there's gotta be a program where, you know, these, these owners, they should contribute a percentage of their purses uh, to, you know, elevate the foundation uh, of the business and take care of these folks that are out there every day, taking care of their horses sacrificing that with their families. And so as I was looking at kind of what the backside learning centers programming is uh, and how they ran their, their nonprofit, I thought, wow, this, this deserves you know, a few more logs on the fire. So we came up with this purses for a purpose, you know, owners can contribute, um, you know, 1% of their purses or 1% of their win purses. I decided that I was going to, uh, you know, contribute 10% of any purse that, that I want through rocket ship racing or otherwise. And, um, you know, the budget's increased. There's been a lot of great programming done. I wouldn't be surprised to see them in a, in a new building uh, in the next year or two that really will help their population. So, um, you know, that, I mean, that is, that is horse racing, the backside. Oh, that's really commendable. And uh, obviously, we all hope there's a lot more left with, with uh, to be made with Sierra Leone and Hall of Fame. On that topic, I mean, you've been around racing, you said, 15 or 20 years. Now you know you've got a horse that's Kentucky Derby quality. How do you 
keep yourself on your feet on the ground between now and the bluegrass and the Kentucky Derby? Great question. Um, maybe you let yourself revel in the moment, like 10 or 15 minutes a day. Cause otherwise you won't get anything done, I guess. Um, I'd say, uh, you know, just like great things in life, even things that are a challenge, I think you have to keep them in perspective. I used to hate this saying, don't let your highs get too high or your lows get too low. But as long as you have trajectory, right. Uh, that's not the worst thing in the world. So we all know everybody on this uh, podcast knows that, um, these things can change in a, in a, a step. So, um, just hopeful that, uh, the, the horse stays sound and healthy. Uh, he seems the type, but again, knock on wood. And then, um, you know, allow that, allow that mind to kind of think about what could be. It's pretty tough when everybody in the world's texting you about it. That's one thing I'd have to say. <laughs> um, uh, not, a, not a bad problem. I never had somebody text in my phone after that race. Uh, uh, but yeah, and have fun, just have fun with it. Um, enjoy it, you know, use the opportunity maybe to get the voice for places like Persons for a Purpose and maybe a few other nonprofits that, uh, and then just, uh, it's not like coveting the moment, but reveling in it and reveling in it with everybody that's reveling in it. Not, oh, wow, you know, I own part of this horse. Uh, Brooke, now that you've tasted this uh, amount of success, whether you win the Kentucky Derby or not, you know, you're already on a great ride with having won the race at the fairgrounds. And, you know, you're the favorite in the Kentucky Derby future wager. Now that you've got a taste for this, do you think this is something you'll start pursuing? Um, you know, will you go to the sales with partners and look for horses that might have the pedigree and the ability to, to uh, get into the Kentucky Derby? Do you have, as they say now, Kentucky Derby fever? No, I had it a long time ago. Uh, I just, I guess I, now I know I, I can at least point to the symptom of it. Um, but, but absolutely, uh, you know, it's, it's worked great with Coolmore. I, I love how they operate amazing folks, uh, you know, very disciplined. And, uh, as I've said to them, you know, whatever happens here, will be kind of a parlay in a sense. Uh, just, you know, if there's great success and there's some financial outcomes, uh, then, you know, that'll be the, the seat for the next kind of uh, journey back to some of these sales and all the bits and parts and pieces of some of these potentially great horses. So we know Sara Leone, uh, the plan right now is for him to run in the bluegrass stakes for his next start. What about Hall of Fame? How did he come back out of that race? I know it was a little bit of a different experience for him in his second lifetime start down on the inside, got a little keen at one point early in the race. Uh, tell us about how he's doing and what might be next for him. Yeah, I mean, actually, the first thing that I thought about after Sierra Leone was crossing the finish line was, you know, I hope Hall of Fame's okay. Um, you know, didn't run the greatest race at top of the stretch, kind of flared out coming off the turn. I thought, well, here we go. Um, but he'd been kind of weaving in and out, probably not the greatest trip, not to make excuses. And I don't know how any horse could get out there in that cold, wet, windy, dark slop, to be honest. Uh, and several of them in the race, I think, will probably, you know, as we say, throw that race out. There's a few others in there that I think will come back and be more formidable. I think, you know, he's he's one that, um, you know, again, you got to trust the trainers and the connections and just say, hey, you know, what do you think? Uh, is he still on a, the, the track to Louisiana Derby? Uh, I guess time will tell, or is there another route he can go? I think after the next few days, we'll get a sense. I don't feel like he came out of the race in any bad form. Uh, but as you all know, a horse that goes through something like that, uh, you know, there's only so many squeezes in a lemon. Uh, Brooke, uh, either last year or the year before, I don't remember, but as a, again, part of your charitable endeavors, you made a large future wager uh, on a horse in the Kentucky Derby. And a year you didn't have a horse in there and you were going to donate the profits to the Backstretch Learning Center. That didn't work out. The horse didn't win. Might you do something similar with Sierra Leone? Well, yeah, I mean, um, beyond a 10 percent uh, of the purses, which could be formidable. Uh, I'm sure I'll be digging in my pocket a little bit deeper for a backside learning center. I have snuck a few future wagers in there along the way. Uh, but uh, absolutely anything's on the table. I'm no Mattress Mac, I can tell you that. And I don't know where Bourbon Brook came from, but it's kind of, <laughs> kind of fun to kind of uh, shoulder up with him. Uh, you know, great stuff he's doing. And so, uh, you know, we'll see. I'm looking forward to the uh, handicapping seminar that the Backside Learning Center sponsors. 
I can't remember the date this year, but it's usually a few weeks out from the from the Derby. Oh, Brooke, thank you. And thank you for what you're doing for the Backside Learning Center. Um, I know these uh, uh, charities are very important. Like you said, let's take good care of the people that take good care of our horses. No good problem. luck with Sierra Leone and Hall of Fame on the road to the Kentucky Derby. And we'll uh, maybe catch up with you again after the Derby. See how things are. You never are. know. You always take it a risk if you stick a microphone in my face. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Brooke, th- thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, have a great one. As this week's Green Group Guest of the Week, Brooke T. Smith will receive a free one-hour tax consultation from Lynn Green and Company at the Green Group. For more information on how the Green Group might be able to help you with your taxes and save you a little bit of this, log on to www.greenco.com. Are you paying too much in taxes? The Green Group can help. There's a reason the most successful owners, breeders, and horsemen select the Green Group as their tax advisors. They save you money and share successful strategies. Over the past 40 years, the Green Group founder, Len Green, has owned and bred some of the best racehorses in the history of the sport, like Eclipse Award-winning champions Jaywalk and Wonderwheel. His DJ stable competes at the highest level and has received the game's most prestigious honors. Len Green's in-depth, hands-on industry knowledge, combined with cutting-edge tax-saving strategies, has produced positive results for his clientele and has made the Green Group the top-rated accounting and tax firm in the thoroughbred business. For a confidential and complimentary consultation, contact us at 732-634-5100 or visit our website at www.greenco.com. The Green Group, proven strategies to save you taxes. In this week's edition of First Things First, I did not catch up with the Corgis. I am wearing the T-shirt, though. Maybe we'll get to show the Corgi National Finals next week. But I actually did catch up with Craig Lewis to talk about the brilliant Calbred, the recently retired Rick Housewright. All right, let's talk about your old stalwart Brickyard ride. Now seven years old, you just retired him. He won 13 of 31 starts. Tell us a little bit about this brilliant Calbred of yours. Well, as everybody knows, he had wicked speed and uh, he stuck around for a long time. I first got him when he was two. He's being retired at seven and he just was a whole lot of fun to train and uh, we're gonna miss him. What was one of his biggest assets? Speed speed and he loved to train and he loved the, the competition just like his daddy probably the best stud in california now clubhouse ride now clubhouse ride's been on a tear of late right here at santa anita he had at least two winners this past thursday you trained him like what does it feel for you to have all of these horses going through your program and then going on to the breeding shed it's great um couldn't couldn't be, feel more fortunate. Uh, he was a very good racehorse. He won a million three, and uh, he appears to be even a better stud. Uh, I looked at his stats yesterday. He's currently the leading stud in California, and already at the Santa Anita meet, he's had 11 winners and more to come, I'm sure. And what are the plans for his son Brickyard Ride moving forward now? Brickyard Ride is. As I stated, retired, he's gonna get the rest of the year off, which is well-deserved, because he laid it down every time he ran. And uh, then he's gonna go to stud. A Lot of interest in him from various places throughout the country, so no final determination has been made yet as to uh, what farm or what state he will even end up standing in. Oh, so I just assumed he was gonna be a cowbred sire. Don't know, people are very interested in him. And people are very interested in his sire, Clubhouse Ride. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Brickyard Ride, what was one of his favorite races that he won for you? One of your favorites? Well, I really enjoyed the San Carlos because that was seven eights. And at the time, uh, several people thought that he couldn't go that far, but he was brilliant that day, won the race pretty easily. And uh, subsequent to that, he even was able to negotiate two turns. Won, uh, won a stake at two turns and competed against uh, graded horses at two turns. So he, he was very, very talented horse. Fortunately, came my way. Wishing you the best of luck. Thank you.
do want to remind you that while it is still raining here in Southern California, it will stop very soon indeed. And racing will continue on Friday, Saturday and Sunday with a 12.30 post time. We will see you then. This week's Derby prep action will take us to Oakland Park where the Rebel bodies purses at Oakland. Unbelievable. Grade two purse of 1,250,000. That's for the Colts heading to the Kentucky Derby. The Pony B is the prep for three-year-old fillies on their way to the Kentucky Oaks. A um, couple of things that I noticed right off the bat about this race. Um, last week, we were talking about the Risen Star being just loaded. And usually the trainers that are, are racing at fairgrounds will look at Oakland and the Oakland trainers will look at fairgrounds. Um, this race did not come up that tough. Uh, and it has a much bigger purse than the Risen Star, which just, I think just goes to show you how popular that New Orleans route to the Kentucky Derby has suddenly become, um, you know, with so many top horses uh, vying in that race last week where, uh, you know, much, much a better race. Um, Randy, you mentioned earlier, Timberlake was a horse that you were a little bit interested in. Um, he's, I guess he'll be the favorite. He won the champagne at grade one, didn't run great in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, uh, where he ran fourth, but if he runs back to his, um, uh, best start, uh, in the champagne, he should be tough. So I want to ask you a question. Um, where is Muth? Wasn't he supposed to run on this? I think that may be a reason that we just have kind of 12 horses plus Timberlake because Hall of Famer Bob Baffert doesn't go to the fairgrounds for prep races. He was pointing Muth to here. He actually worked on Sunday. Now, if you look at the work on XBTV, the work looks good. Muth is a, is a little bit keen. He's a little bit just running through the bridle, running a little bit free. And I asked Bob, I said, why, why didn't you go? And he said there was, a, there was an incident on the racetrack. They, they broke off at the half mile pole. The sirens went off. The rider pulled him up at the quarter pole. Then they had to wait. They brought the harrows back out. He had to wait even longer and he just got really riled off and pretty much ran off at the beginning of the work. And when they got to the wire, Bob just told his rider, just, just take him home, pull him up. There was no like mile long gallop out. And he said he was not happy with that work to put him on the plane and send him. So that, that's the reason why Muth is not there. Yeah, and his presence will definitely, uh, his absence will definitely be felt in the Rebel. Look, I mean, we all, we talked about Oakland and how they reinvest their casino money and horse racing more than any other track in America. Just look at the purses uh, for a race like this. But, I mean, at this point, a million three for the Rebel, they may need to reconsider um, it, how much they're putting into a race like this because you got 13 horses in the race. 12 of them made their most recent starts at Oakland. Uh, the only horse they got that didn't make his most recent start at Oakland was Timberlake, trained by Brad Cox, who has a big stable at Oakland. And Brad has been saying right from day one that this is the race that Timberlake was going to be pointed to. So since Muth didn't come, there's really no other horse out there that a million three was able to attract which is mind blowing when you think about, you know, how much money is being put into a race like this. Timberlake is six to five in the morning line. He may even go off a little bit less than that. Uh, this race didn't even get the best horse at Oakland, which is Mystic Dan, who won the Southwest Stakes by eight lengths with a one on one buyer speed figure. And the decision was made to skip the Rebel for Mystic Dan, despite the one point three million dollars and just point him directly for the Arkansas Derby. So in the absence of Mystic Dan, you've got Timberlake that's probably going to be four to five or even money. And you've got Just Steel, trained by Wayne Lucas, who was uh, right behind, a long way behind, but behind Mystic Dan in the Southwest is really the two horses to me that kind of stick out on paper. It, I think it really just goes to prove Bill's point when we were talking about the Derby. Now the purse has been up to five million. Bill put his hands up and said, listen. If the Derby was $100,000, people would still run in it. I think the fact that it's worth so many points, right? And they all thought that Bob was bringing Muth or one of his giants, and they're not going to garner those points. People didn't get on the plane when they thought Bob was going because they need the points. They don't care about the money. Now, D. Wayne Lucas cares about the money, and he's got Just, uh, Just Steel's going to dance probably every single dance 
and have to be just still leading up to the first Saturday in May. So he's in there and everyone else is in there, but you're not garnering those magical horses because the points are oh so important at this time of the year. And everyone knows that Bob sends his horses, his good ones to Oaklawn. The other big action in horse racing this weekend, of course, will be taking place in Saudi Arabia, where we have the Saudi Cup, $20 million. Talk about staggering amounts of money, $20 million. And that was enough to get people to run for sure. Um, on the, uh, you know, it's interesting. I think we're going to find out who the best horse in America is by running a race in Saudi Arabia, because right now it looks like that's between National Treasure and White Iberio. Maybe even Saudi Crown gets into the mix. And I know Randy Moss has got to be extra excited because both Derma Sotagaki <laughs> and Senor Buscador are in the Woo! race. If two Phils hadn't been retired and if he were in this race, <laughs> then I think Randy wouldn't even know, wouldn't even know what to do with himself. Um, I, you know, I haven't had a chance to look at the uh, PPs. It won't be out for a while, but I like National Treasures race in the Pegasus World Cup enough. I think I probably would pick him over White Iberio, but, um, you know, and it's not a two horse race either. You got uh, Derma Sotogaki, like I mentioned, a couple other Japanese horses. Uh, it's going to be a fantastic horse race. And, uh, but again, it's also sad that, that how it has uh, hurt so many American races, you know, the uh, big cap, which is just uh, one of the great historic races in um, the history of American racing is, is obviously not what it used to be. And this is the reason why. Yeah. I mean, this is just a yeah. sensational race on paper, uh, Zoe, but the, the, the racing surface at Saudi Arabia can be pretty quirky. And so you don't always get the most formful race, but it sure is interesting on paper, don't you think? It's a really interesting race. And people actually been raving over the racetrack over there and the lack of kickback, which makes it conducive to having some turf runners run well on the dirt there. Don't forget Defunded is going to be in there as well. He's already beaten White Abario and National Treasure. When he's good, he's very, very good. It's going to be a good race, but Bill, you didn't mention your favorite horse. Come on, Bill, the PA bread, Bookham Dano in oh, the Saudi Dano. No, no, not PA bread, Jersey bread, Jersey please. Bread, sorry. Yes, he'll be going in the Saudi Derby, Bookham Dano. And uh, I don't think he's a Kentucky Derby horse, but good management. They can go over there and uh, will be the biggest win for a Jersey bred since Open Mind won the breed, one of the Breeders' Cup races. Um, so uh, my, poor, my poor Jersey bred program, they're doing their best with uh, <laughs> with a lot of uh, uh, obstacles in their way. But, yeah, let's go get them, Bookham Dano. So you got the J horse, you got you, you got the Jersey horse, but then you got the Japanese horses as well. I mean, there's more than just Derma Sotagake, as you pointed out. He was a really good second, obviously, in the Breeders' Cup Classic behind Wide Barrio, but he's not even the top-ranked Japanese dirt horse. That would be a horse called Lemon Pop, who is going to be in the Saudi Cup as well. He won the Champions Cup uh, last year in Japan. So... The Japanese have dominated in recent years uh, in some of these races in Saudi Arabia. So uh, they're going to be pretty formidable, not just Derma Sorogake, but Lemon Pop as well. Ushba Tesoro. Him too. Yes. There you go. Yes. My World Cup. I want to remind you that each and every week, the TDN is brought to you by XBTV and this week's Work of the Week is Niso along with Windstock as we watch them go around here. Nisos is on the outside of Windstock. This is past Saturday for Hall of Famer Bob Baffert. Nisos, of course, was the dominant winner of the Robert F. Lewis Stakes in his last start, and Windstock took down the loss out for Charity. Now, things didn't go his way when Windstock shipped to the Southwest Stakes at Oaklawn, but it uh, looks like he's coming back, but probably doesn't need to work with Nisos in the future. But nevertheless... An extremely good work by Nysos, and we'll have to see where he shows up next for Bob Baffert. All the thrills. Fraction of the bills. Experience the power of the partnership. Change your life, make new friends, and compete at the highest level of thoroughbred racing. West Point Thoroughbreds, the gold standard in racing partnerships. 
Visit westpointtb.com. TD Riders Room also brought to you by West Point Thoroughbreds. West Point's Jackson Traveler won the Bob Thomas Memorial. That was on the Sunland Derby undercard at Sunland Park Sunday. And this is pretty cool. Jackson Traveler has now been a stakes winner at ages two, three, four, five, and now six for Hall of Fame trainer Steve Asmussen. West Point and Bloodstock Advisor David and Gordo found Jackson Traveler at the OBS April sale of two-year-olds in training way back when, 2020. They got him for $140,000, and Jackson Traveler has now earned a touch more than $741,000. If you're interested in getting in on all of this with West Point and vaulting into the world of instant camaraderie, visit westpointtb.com. That's a wrap on this week's show. I want to thank my partners, Randy Moss and Zoe Cabin. And Randy, you get, there'll be in a little back bit extra in your paycheck for getting up at five in the morning in Hawaii <laughs> to do this with us. You're dedicated. That's terrific stuff. So I uh, also want to thank our Green Group guests of the week, Brooke Smith, our producers, Katie Petruniak and Anthony LaRocca, and also our editors, Aaliyah LaRocca and Nathan Wilkinson. Should be a great weekend of racing, folks. Enjoy the races at Oakland. Enjoy the Saudi Cup. We'll check in with you next week.